This episode is sponsored by Audible. Get a free audiobook of your choice that you get to keep with their free trial. You can learn more at lutherancartographer.com slash audible. The Lutheran Cartographer, episode 61. Welcome to The Lutheran Cartographer, the podcast where we explore what it's like to be Lutheran in different places. I'm your host, Nicholas Weber. Today we're exploring two communities really close to each other, Pullman, Washington, and Moscow, Idaho. We'll be talking to Pastor Doug Taylor, who is the Associate Pastor of Augustana Lutheran Church in Moscow. Pastor Taylor, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Nicholas. Good to be with you. Help orient our listeners geographically. Where is Moscow in Idaho? Moscow is in the north part of Idaho, just a few miles east of Pullman, Washington. So it's kind of a bridge between southeastern Washington and the north panhandle of Idaho. Okay, good deal. So a couple weeks ago, we talked to a pastor who's up in a suburb of Coeur d'Alene. Where is Moscow in relation to Coeur d'Alene? It's about an hour and a half south, so it is not terribly far. Gotcha. So tell us a little bit about yourself, where you've lived before, and what your background is, how you came to Moscow. Sure. Boy, it's been a journey. Uh, <laughs> uh, I grew up in uh, Tacoma, Washington, was born and raised uh, there, uh, uh, spent the first 18 years or so of my life there, then went, uh, by that time, was in the Missouri Synod system, if you will. So I went to uh, college at Concordia University, Nebraska, in Seward, Nebraska, Got a pre-sem and history degree there, then was at Fort Wayne, Concordia Theological Seminary, for my seminary instruction. Three years of class there, vicared during a stretch there in Wisconsin, Dells and Baraboo, Wisconsin, in southern Wisconsin, so was there for a year as vicarage works. And then out of seminary, I was called to a dual parish in Unity and Wilkie, Saskatchewan, which is several hours north of the American-Canadian border. Uh, in West Central Saskatchewan, uh, wheat and canola country. Actually, they grow the same stuff here, uh, just uh, strangely enough. Uh, so about five hours north of the border there. I was there just a little over six years. Then came back uh, due to some health reasons and things I was encountering up north in Canada. And in June of 2016, I ended up as associate pastor of Zion Lutheran Church, Tacoma, Washington, a place with which you're familiar I was your pastor for four and a half years. It's true. And, uh, and now I've been pastor of Augustana Lutheran in Moscow, the associate there, for, uh, let me count, three days. <laughs> Fantastic. So how would you contrast some of these other places that you've been with Moscow? Sure. Uh, well, uh, Pullman, Moscow is an interesting dynamic because it is very much in the surrounding area agricultural uh, Whitman County grows more wheat per capita per county than any other county in the United States of America. So it's just it's a ton of wheat and canola fields. And then in the midst of it is Pullman, which is a college town where Washington State University is. And that's I live in Pullman, in fact, because just seven miles uh, east of Moscow. And Moscow is where the University of Idaho is. So they have two land grant universities within just a few miles of each other. So it's this interesting dynamic of agricultural community with college towns, two of them right in the midst. And they form an area of about 60,000 or so people. 
And I think if you do the math on it, about half of them are student body when you get down to it, when you're doing all of that work. So you have the kind of secularish parts of college towns, and you also have the country setting. It's kind of a fascinating mix of everything. So how does that mix work itself out? Um, well, it's interesting in that, again, you have the college communities, which generally tends to themselves to some degree, though, again, also there are people who come to the university to study. They're looking for a church home. Uh, and so they've you know, found their way to Augustana. We have a few uh, college students uh, in our uh, community there. Uh, so, uh, I mean, you're, it's, you're, you're in the world and not of it, just like anywhere else. Uh, but with academia, you're probably, if you run into folks who are on faculties, you run into perhaps a couple more skeptical questions. But I, I haven't run into uh, any sort of hostility in my time here. I see. So tell us a little bit more about the best things about the area. Um, the, well, again, with it being a college town and area, it seems to have more uh, going on, you know, again, when we used to have social events and things. You may remember those. Um, uh, there were a lot more of those going on than you would think for just a 60,000-person area or city uh, because you have the two universities and a lot of cultural and intellectual interchange uh, and things like that. So it's a very interesting uh, area when it comes to that. It seems to have more going on than a place its size should, again, when things were going on. It's a little different, and there's an interesting dynamic, again, because it's two different states. As you're well aware in Washington, things have been a bit more shut down than they have been in Idaho. Idaho, the University of Idaho here in Moscow, has had in-person classes. They've spread things out. They've had students wear masks, but they've still met for classes in person, whereas Washington State University has done everything remotely. So just that in and of itself, the dynamic of the two states has been kind of magnified by everything that's gone on for us uh, in the last year or so. Uh, but uh, you have, again, this area and then the smaller rural communities around it, which, again, are are your very standard places where you have a couple of big businesses in town. Everybody goes to watch the high school team play on Friday or Saturday nights, and it's kind of that uh, uh, quaint American rural life, if you will. So it sounds like it's an interesting mix of rural ministry and college-ish sort of thing. That is absolutely right. We have people who, uh, we have faculty members of one of the universities uh, in our congregation. Uh, we have a physician. We have a couple of farmers who have their own land and their own cattle that they manage. So uh, again, you're seeing all of the intersection and, and students too. And uh, so uh, just uh, an interesting, though it's not a very, we're not a large congregation. We have, again, this very interesting mix of people. So we've talked about some of the good things about the area. What are some of the challenges about being in Moscow, Pullman? Um, I think one of the main challenges, especially in working with students, is that students have, you know, they're trying to figure out how it is to adult and to be people. Uh, and so sometimes it can be a bit fleeting. You'll see someone once or twice and then they kind of disappear. So you just have that challenge. And that's maybe a challenge that is the case in all ministries, but you see it maybe more magnified a little bit in a student ministry because everybody's got a lot going on there. Um, uh, other challenges, um, just trying to think here. Um, other than the usual ones, again, you have your skeptical folks uh, who just don't have a lot of time uh, for, for church or anybody even 
uh, you know, dressed uh, to do that sort of work. Uh, I think I'm surprised. I forgot to mention that I ended up over here in Pullman, uh, in the Pullman, Moscow area, because I had gone back to school while also serving as assistant pastor at Zion Tacoma. I was living across the way. It was a, a sort of a unique arrangement in that way. I went back to school uh, to learn broadcasting, to have a day job while also serving uh, on weekends, so to kind of be bivocational uh, in that regard. So that's what brought me over here. So I've been in the area for a few years, and I have shocked, I think, a couple of people when they have seen me in uh, pastoral attire, especially in a clerical shirt and collar. Not in, a, not in a bad way. They just don't really know what to do with it, which I think actually happens more in western Washington and areas like that. Where they're just like, oh, the, you're still doing that sort of stuff? It's like, yeah, people still need sins forgiven and uh, and the sacrament and things like that. And so, yeah, so we're still doing that. Yeah. Gotcha. So let's also talk about some of the challenges, not just in ministry, but in terms of day-to-day life about the area. How, what's the weather like? Are the winters particularly harsh? What what other things would you say if somebody was, say, considering a, a move to the area? What What else would you want them to be aware of? Uh, it was the great uh, sports broadcaster Keith Jackson, who is alumnus, an alumnus of Washington State, who said that this area expe- experiences all four seasons with gusto. Uh, in that winter can be very harsh and cold at times. It hasn't been yet, but it sounds like in the next few days that's going to be the case. Uh, also, I'm hearing that, of course, for where you live as well, uh, that there's uh, some snow headed into the area and they don't really have that a ton. So we get cold in winter. Spring can take a little while to where you have a little bit of warmth. Uh, it might take until even late April or May before you really see, see that. I've seen snow in April here a couple of different times. Uh, and by the time you get to the summer, you can be in the 80s and 90s and have some warmth that's not quite as hot here as it is in other places because it's 2,500 feet up. So there's a little bit of elevation and that helps cool things down in the summer. It also cools things down in the winter, but uh, that's the trade-off. So you get all four seasons here. Winter can be a touch brutal at times. It just depends on the year. Uh, And the summers are usually pretty nice. They're certainly drier than they are uh, than in uh, Western Washington, just like humidity wise, Uh, but they're not usually too, too hot either. So they have enough of that mildness with the elevation uh, to not just want folks or people forcing them to just go and try to find somewhere cool. Gotcha. Okay. So let's go on and talk about what it's like to be Lutheran there. You've already talked about your experience going out in a clerical collar and people not exactly knowing what to do with that. What else would you say if people are curious about what it's like in Pullman and in Moscow about what it's like to be Lutheran there? Um, I think it's not unlike being Lutheran in a lot of places in America, especially, but certainly around the world in some spots, but maybe more to America. I think America doesn't really know what to do with Lutherans in some senses, because uh, they, they look at the service and they're like, you guys seem an awful lot like the Roman Catholics. Um, and, and they don't really know what to do with that. Um, and then once you get into kind of the, the nitty gritty of what people believe, than the general kind of American Christianity sense of, oh, you know, Jesus loves you, do your best, and everything else will work out. Um, They don't really know what to do with uh, how we see things when it comes to, like, the will uh, and this constant fight between 
sin and following our Lord and his word and that happening internally uh, in, in the believer's life. Uh, and just that hypocrisy, while not being excused in any way, shape or form, is something that is just part of the Christian life because they're constantly looking at what our Lord asks of us and also through the things that happen in everyday life and the temptations of uh, the devil and our sinful nature that uh, you just have this constant mix of things uh, that can be difficult for folks to understand initially. Um, I, I have found a little bit, though, too, that people, I think, like Lutherans in a sense in that we're willing to take on questions and I don't know whether, I mean, and maybe this isn't true of everywhere Lutheranism, but, and it was something that drew me to it too, is that ultimately we look at things in Holy Scripture and go, okay, this says this, and then we just kind of go from there. That's really our foundation is, here's the thing and what it says, and then we'll go from there. We're not trying to explain it, to fit it into our own box. We go, this is what it says, and then we'll create the box based on that. Uh, and I think people have found it refreshing that they can just ask questions and know that I'm not going to go, how dare you ask such a terrible question, you godless heathen? Um, uh, no, they know that, uh, that they're just, you know, we're going to talk about the thing and we may disagree about something, but ultimately go, this is what all these scriptures says. This is why we believe the things that we do. Uh, and, uh, and, that's, and that's kind of where it is. I think that openness, once people get to know it, is appealing. Yeah, that makes sense. Talk a little bit more about what the general religious milieu is like over there uh, in that area, because I've talked several times in the podcast about how in Western Washington, and we've already alluded to it uh, in this podcast, how very secularized it is. Is it that way in the East as well? No, it's not. Uh, again, I think the college town part of it probably secularizes it a little more. Uh, than it would be otherwise. Uh, but uh, no, certainly, again, you know, when you're out, you're out in rural country, ev everybody seems to be associated with the church in one way or another. Uh, and, uh, and so that, uh, that, has, that rural quality does kind of come into everything else, too, because, again, even though it is 60,000 people, that's not really that big. Uh, and, uh, and so you have, as well, people coming from all areas, Washington State, draws people from Western Washington, but it also draws people from Central and Eastern Washington uh, and from around the world. So I, I do think it is not the same secularization that you see in Western Washington, certainly not. Um, and uh, so there is uh, more uh, of an openness in that regard, at least for somebody to give you an opportunity to uh, talk about the reason for the hope that you have within you and things like that. That's good to hear. Let's take a moment for a word from our sponsor. Folks, if you like podcasts, you will enjoy Audible. It's a service that gives you a audiobook to listen to each month of your choice from a large library. And they want to get you started with a free trial offer that includes an audiobook that you get to keep. So go to lutherancartographer.com slash audible to get your free audiobook and start your free trial today. If you're looking for a book to check out, I'd recommend looking at Martin Luther's table topics, all sorts of wit, levity, but also good, solid theological insights from Luther as well. Check it out at lutherancartographer.com slash audible. Let's get back to the show. 
What is it like to raise a family there for your parishioners? Yeah, that's a, a good question. Um, uh, for them, I, I think they have found uh, that they've been able to raise their children in the faith uh, with no added complications, more than a, a you know uh, perhaps a place where you'd have a lot of pressure uh, not to. In fact, the congregation in which I now serve here, again for the last just few days, uh, is that uh, you know it has formed as a result of people seeking. Uh, to not only have their instruction, but also their worship follow what we believe, teach, and confess in a, for lack of better words, traditional fashion. So they have banded together, really, to form this congregation that ultimately was a mission congregation of Messiah Lutheran in Seattle, which sponsored it for a while because before it was able to stand on its own uh, as uh, Augustana Moscow. Uh, so you have this strong foundational base of people hungering and thirsting for the needful things. Uh, so them banding uh, together to, to have those things uh, ultimately I think has made it to where uh, they can raise their kids where you have this nice mix of Sunday being important. And again, if you wanted to find ways to not be around Sunday, there's a, there are enough people around here where you have the city things and people can find the distractions. I think there are less of them, but they're nevertheless there. But, I mean, our, our group has formed, really, uh, so that people can have the things they need on Sunday morning and then go out and, and live life the rest of the way from there. And, and I, don't, I don't know of anyone experiencing family-wise uh, any more pressure uh, than normal uh, raising a family in the faith uh, than here in uh, Pullman, Moscow. Like it just, it's, it's, it's a comfortable place to be able to do that. Cost of living is not super high. Uh, and, uh, and if you have a, a job that sustains a family, you can, you can have a nice place for yourselves, uh, and also know that you're going to get the things you need on Sunday mornings. Absolutely. Are there any Lutheran schools in the area? Uh, there are no Lutheran elementary or junior high schools in the area or, or universities. I think the closest school may be in Spokane, and I'm not sure if that's K, there's one, I think, that's K through 6 on the edges of Spokane, which is about an hour and a half north of Pullman. Um, so, no, uh, there is uh, a classical education school uh, called Logos, uh, which is run by uh, a church here called Christ Church. Uh, and uh, they're big on classical education stuff, and I support classical education. So, uh, so there, that's an opportunity for families if they really wish to have that uh, for their kids and they, they can't find it somewhere else. Uh, otherwise, uh, general public schools uh, and all of the things you run into in public schools. Yeah. Let's go on and talk about what are things you would highlight if you had a friend coming into town. Things to do, places to see, eat. What would you recommend our listeners check out if they're in the area? Sure. Um, again, both of these universities that are here, the University of in Moscow and Washington State University in Pullman, uh, they're agricultural land grant universities. So they're doing, you know, they're growing things and making foods and researching that. So uh, if you're ever in town in Pullman, I highly recommend a visit to the WSU Creamery. That's where they make Cougar Gold cheese, the cheese that the university is world famous for because uh, it comes in a can. Uh, and it's also very good. Uh, and they also make ice cream there. It's kind of a, a day trip thing because it's only open during the day, but it has all of those uh, delicious wares. Uh, otherwise, Moscow has a, a few fine restaurants. 
um, where you can uh, just kind of go. And basically, once you're in downtown, uh, you have really good food options, whether you want to have a burger or you want to have Mexican food. You can also have uh, a classier meal at a place like a Lodgepole in Moscow. When restaurants are open in Pullman, a place like the Black Cypress is also you know, a place where you can take the missus to a nice dinner if it's that, uh, you know, it's, it's time for an occasion. Uh, so, uh, so you have those sorts of options food wise. And again, it, it has a wider range of food options, I think for a place of 60,000 people or so than it would if it didn't have universities, which it does. So that's bringing more cultures, more people in. And as a result, you have a wider breadth of foods. There's a, there's a Bangladeshi restaurant in Moscow, just to give you an idea. I think that probably says it all. Other things that you'd recommend seeing or doing while you're in town? Museums or libraries or anything like that? Certainly. I mean, the universities have museums and art galleries uh, and things to check out. They also have university libraries. Uh, architecturally, they don't stand out to me. Uh, but uh, but ultimately, they, they have books and periodicals and things if you're looking to do. If you're a genealogical person, uh, I believe there is uh, some way to do some research in the area uh, for county and state records uh, and that sort of thing. Things do revolve around university life here in Pullman, Moscow. So if you enjoy sports at all, when you get to fall, they're usually playing college football that involves bands and lots of people. Uh, and so that's an interesting scene. If you don't like sports, just do that once. Just go to a game once so you can at least go, okay, I've done this and I've seen what it's about. I don't need to do it ever again, uh, but, uh, but I can go uh, and enjoy. So that would be a recommendation again once things open up more and we get back to uh, some sense of normalcy uh, to come and experience the university life uh, as it's set up both at Idaho uh, and at Washington State. As well, just in general, the Palouse is a very beautiful area and it's unique looking in that it is this area of just waving, cascading hills that doesn't look like a lot of other places on Earth. If you've never been in the area, uh, it's just it's a beautiful place to just look around, drive around, take in some views. Uh, when you get to the Snake River, which is south of uh, Pullman, Moscow, about 20-something miles or so, you have this large canyon, the Snake River Canyon, that that's a part of, you can go a little further south into Hell's Canyon, which is, I think, the deepest canyon uh, in North America. If you're at the top and look at the bottom, it's like 7,000 feet or something like that. So there's a lot of natural beauty in the area that you can take in. So if you like to hike, there are a couple of different buttes and hills you can look in, uh, go up the canyon. Uh, of course, you can enjoy the river. Uh, the, the river is dammed, so it's a little, you, you can't, shouldn't take your kayak over the dam. Can't recommend that. But, <laughs> uh, but there, but there's just, there are ways to enjoy uh, the natural bounties of the area. And there really are a lot of them uh, because if you go into further into the Idaho panhandle, it's, it's mountains uh, and mountain ranges. So you can go snowshoe or hike in the summer. Uh, hunt if you do that sort of thing. There's a lot of hunting that happens in the fall around these parts. Uh, and just a, a lot of natural vistas and things to see. So it's a beautiful area of the world in which to live. Excellent. So as we start to close out the podcast, I want to make sure that I give you the opportunity to point our listeners where you'd like. Your church's website, places to follow you online. Where would you like to send our listeners? Uh, I would absolutely like to send you to Augustana Lutheran Church's Facebook page. Now, if I had the address up, that would have been very handy. 
I can find the link and put it on the show notes page. That's fine. That'll be at lutheran slash 61, dear listener. Perfect. Um, so it's augustanalutheran.moscoid is the Facebook page as well. We also do have a website, moscolutheran.org. That's where you'll find our church website. And uh, John Krenz, who is now my colleague uh, and brother in office, uh, he's been here uh, a few years now, I think four, somewhere in there. Uh, he does uh, some of the maintenance on that, too, and makes sure that our services get up there and different things. And obviously, it's been a huge change, uh, as you well know, Nicholas, uh, and I think everybody who's been involved in a church or in a congregation in the last year or so knows, you know, just how everything in an instant kind of changed, and you had to figure out ways to be versatile and get your service to people. Uh, so uh, we do stream our services via Facebook Live on Sunday mornings. Of course, we encourage you rather to be in our pews instead, uh, to be in person, uh, and to come uh, uh, receive the gifts uh, that way. We, we have things spread out. Uh, we meet at a Seventh-day Adventist church because they're not using the facility on Sundays. They've been uh, gracious to us as hosts, uh, so we, we have the space to do the things we need. So, yeah, come come for a weekend. Come enjoy the Palouse. Uh, and uh, Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, uh, Bible study at 9, by the way. Uh, come on uh, into Augustana. At, uh, we meet at, again, the Seventh-day Adventist Church, 1015 C Street uh, in Moscow, 9 a.m. Bible study, 10 o'clock service. And MoscowLutheran.org, again, the website. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm just coming online with this, so I'm having to remember all of these uh, uh, these things, but uh, we are ready and available uh, and happy to have anybody. Fantastic. Before I ask my last question, I want to go circle back to something that you mentioned earlier, and that is the the contrast between the response be- between Idaho and Washington and the response to the coronavirus. Anything that people should know? What are things like in your area? Well, yeah, it's in this interesting dichotomy where in Washington, due to where things are, uh, in the reopening plan, Whitman County is part of a region that is closed up when it comes to businesses except for essential businesses, whereas in Idaho, businesses have been reopened for some time, and the governor of Idaho has left mask mandates and things like that to cities and local health regions. So the city of Moscow itself has a mask mandate which we learned actually recently does not apply to political or religious expression. Uh, so uh, in, in my experience, we haven't had a ton of people wearing masks in church. You certainly can if you like. They don't kick you out if you do. I wear a mask. Uh, but uh, also you can come if you, if you really feel as though that's something that's uh, not something you'd like to do on a Sunday morning. We have that available in Moscow as well. So things have just been more open in Idaho in general and in Moscow, too, though Moscow has taken a little bit more of a, for lack of better words, careful approach because it is a border community doing business between Pullman and Moscow. That happens all the time. Um, but uh, it has been a situation of late where you, if you go to Idaho, and I work in Idaho uh, now in a couple of different ways, uh, that you see a lot of Washington plates and folks coming and trying to enjoy life in a bit more usual way. Uh, than they can currently in Washington. Now, I don't know when the podcast is coming out, so it's possible that may change a little bit here in the next few days, but uh, just that difference between the two places uh, has caused a, a little bit of difficulty, I think, for Whitman County businesses 
um, because they've been much more closed up than folks in Idaho and people in Washington go, well, our money works in Idaho, so we'll go do business over there until ours are open. So, uh, so that is just an interesting dichotomy, but the communities get along well. Their their rivalries on the field and on the court, uh, and otherwise they all work together and they sit in the pews together and worship the same God. So, good deal, Pastor Taylor. Thank you so much for your time today. What are your parting thoughts for our listeners? Uh, parting thoughts, boy. Um, I think I would just encourage people to keep up the good fight and the hope because uh, you do run to run into even in you know, our congregations, folks who uh, are beaten down by what we've had in the last year. And there have been a lot of tough moments, uh, just whether it be from isolation um, or, you know, the things being limited in their jobs and in their lives because of everything that's uh, going on. Uh, I think in a sense, though, the coronavirus has been very rough on us uh, just as a people. Uh, and it has caused a lot of sadness and sorrow and difficulty for us. It has also pointed us to the important things, namely that Christ our Lord died on the cross for our sins. That forgiveness is still there. It is applied to us in holy baptism. We hear it in the absolution and receive it there. We receive our Lord's body and blood in with and under uh, bread and wine in the holy sacrament. And that's the really important thing. Those are the important things in life, no matter what else you enjoy or what you think about the world or what you think should be priorities. This is really kind of cut to the quick of uh, the heart of the matter, uh, that we need these things for life, not only here, but also in eternity. Uh, and so it points us back into our Lord's word, into prayer and into the gifts. Uh, so and, uh, pandemics and, you know, are, are terrible in a lot of ways. But in, uh, but in one way, it points us back to taking away the clutter of all the things that can accumulate in our lives and ultimately pointing us toward Christ and him crucified. So uh, that's, I guess, the parting thought. Keep fixed there uh, and, uh, and we'll, we'll pull through as we go, knowing that our Lord is looking after us uh, and even working good in the midst of a bad situation. Amen. Thank you again for your time today. God's peace. You too, Nicholas. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to The Lutheran Cartographer. For more about the things that we talked about today, check out the show notes page. That's at lutherancartographer.com slash 61. As I mentioned earlier, today's episode is sponsored by Audible, so take a moment and check out their free trial offer that comes with that free audiobook. That's at lutherancartographer.com slash audible. Be sure you're subscribed to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. And while you're there, I'd appreciate it if you'd leave a rating and a review. That way more people can see the podcast. Until next time, I'm Nicholas Weber. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you soon.